Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, we are facing what we consider unprecedented trouble in our world. And people ask the question, what's happening to our world? What's happening to our neighborhood? Or what's happening in our family? Or what's happening to our country? And I am with you alarmed. I am with you troubled. But I want to point out that trouble, international conflict, interculture conflict, Family upheavals are none of these things really new. Intensity for some of them have increased. Expressions and variety have come with increasing confusion. But in my own lifetime, I was born in the 20th century, and I saw a good eyelid for 70% of the 20th, in the 20th century. And I look back to the periods just before I came, to the time I was born, The United States was in the Great Depression, and that impacted the economies of the entire world, especially dependencies like Jamaica, where I was raised as a member of a British colony. And I'm saying all this to engage your attention in the fact that intensity has grown, and the Bible indicates that the intensity of evil in our world would grow. But today, I want to take us back to a period in history where I believe it all started. It's in the book of beginnings. In the Bible, it's called the book of Genesis, the word for beginning. The book of Genesis is a seed plot of the Bible, and from its pages and extensions go the rest of the Bible. And may I suggest the rest of human history? It's all contained in those 66 volumes known as the 66 books of the Bible, written by different people at different times, and yet under divine direction and inspiration, coming together as one volume, which is in fact a set of volumes, a whole library of divine origin and divine conclusion. In the first two chapters of the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, the Bible says, in the beginning God. Now, if you don't accept the teachings of the Bible or are opposed to accepting them, nothing I say will really make a significant difference. So I'm appealing to you to allow God by his Holy Spirit to challenge your heart regarding the divine veracity of the book of Genesis and of all the books of the Bible, their varying messages and directions. They wind up in a grand conclusion that the originator of the world and the things in our entire universe were created by him and for him and will wind it up 
glorifying him. My interest today is to take us to Genesis chapter 3. To make that meaningful, we're going to look back at the record briefly of chapters 1 and 2. Right now, would you join me in a word of prayer? We need prayer. The world needs prayer. A communication with God. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We believe that you are who you say you are, and we accept your superintendence of all of history. And we bend our minds and we offer our praise to you, Almighty God. We come in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, the one who made intercession for us, but the one who also sacrificed himself for our sin to give us access into your presence and eternal life. Make these moments meaningful. We pray very particularly for the people in extremely troubled areas of the world, and that, we know, covers a lot. Our focus right now, our Heavenly Father, is on the people in the land of Haiti, the nation of Afghanistan, the troubled nations of Syria and Iraq and Iran, and all of the so-called Middle East. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that we might seek wisdom from you and guidance. We pray for the governments of all the nations. We remember that your word indicates to us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air and that he's having a heyday, but his day is coming. We trust your gracious Father. Make your word live to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The connection between chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis is that we have the entire story of the creation of the world in which we live and perhaps the entire universe, the creation of humanity, the beginning of the human family. And it says it, as chapter 2 concludes, that God saw that it was good, very good in fact, is the language we have in the Bible. And then comes chapter 3. It says the serpent was more shrewd than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now, my friend, I can't pretend to understand all the workings of the devil and of how he worked in this snake, the serpent. I can't understand that account. I cannot understand it when he stands before God and accuses God's people. Those are, I say respectfully, beyond my pay scale. These are the things I do not understand or comprehend to the fullest extent. My faith rests in the wholeness and accuracy of the divine revelation called the Bible. And in the Bible it says, those who come to God must exercise faith, must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In the moments we spend together today, I trust that you will diligently seek God. My failure to understand and your failure to understand does not in an iota diminish the devil's reality and the devil's power. We're confronted with the interference of the devil in all the affairs of mankind. This very week, perhaps, perhaps this very day, you experienced temptation planned by the devil, executed by the devil. Daniel, the prophet of old, recognized the existence of the devil, the evil one, faced with his subtlety, 
Even in his prayer life, the devil attempted to intervene. Jesus acknowledged the reality and the workings of the devil, so we don't have to run from it. The writers of the New Testament scripture acknowledged the existence and the interference of the tempter, of Satan. He's also known as Lucifer, that old serpent. In a moment, we will look at some of the New Testament scriptures that speak plainly of the devil. But before we do that, permit me to warn you that we must not treat the interference and potential impact of a devil with impunity. His power is real and his influence extends through his emissaries who were overthrown and cast out with him, we're told in the Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking who he may swallow up. The word sober, as is used in First Peter, is not the same as the opposite of being intoxicated by alcohol or narcotics. The New Living Translation is more in sync with our manner of speaking. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. John Mark issues this warning. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says this, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Jesus, speaking in unveiled language about the devil, has this to say, You are your father, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus gives the impression that there comes a time when one, even religious people, can be so prostituting themselves to Satan and to his temptation that they are truly, properly labeled children of the devil. May I warn you never to allow yourself to be a judge over whether someone is sold out to the devil to such an extent that you think you can call him or her a child of the devil. Let God make that determination. Those are his prerogatives and not yours or mine. James has a word for how to deal with the devil. He says in James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. These references certainly do not exhaust the lists of Bible teaching about the devil, but it ought to stir your awareness and mine about how to recognize and resist becoming overcome by the devil. I have a word of scriptural advice for some who think that you may make audacious remarks about the devil. One such audacious behavior is a sort of cavalier teaching or behavior. There's a song that I hear Christians sing. It includes words, words as stamp upon the devil, stamp him under my feet. 
I've heard one sermon entitled, Satan, You Lose Again. I'm not saying those are not real possibilities, but I'm saying let God do the stomping. For you and me, it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, is what Paul's advice is. So, treat Satan as a real person, as a vicious person, as an enemy, but let God handle the dealings. The Bible says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So, time has gone upon us. We'll pick this up next week. But in the meantime, let the Holy Spirit of God guide you into embracing God's victory over the devil. Let me share with you a biblical principle, a prophecy fulfilled. When Adam and Eve were deceived of the devil in the Garden of Eden, God wound up telling them that the serpent would heal, would hurt the heel of the son of Adam, and that the son would hurt the serpent's head. Biblical figurative prophecy of the victory that Jesus Christ would win for you upon the cross of Calvary. And there upon the cross, as he gave his life for your sin and mine, he said, it is finished. He accomplished it. God has won the victory over the devil. And if you allow yourself to be sheltered by Almighty God through faith in Jesus Christ, you too can win the victory over the devil. God grant that you will do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Come in.